for that. You know, a lot of times, a lot of us preachers, sometimes we get carried away and get up and we preach on how rebellious and how mean and how horrible people are. And we really are, you know, we're sinners by nature. But really, do you think most people don't live for the Lord just simply out of rebellion? Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure there are some. There are some that do that. I was, uh, I was saved as a teenage boy, 18 or 19. I, I wish that I had known how, I wish I'd have known to write down my spiritual birthday. But you got to realize I was raised a Roman Catholic. And so my situation was a little bit different. Uh, I was trying to work my way to heaven. I was uh, basically, even as ornery and sinful as I was, uh, when you compare yourself to other people, I was considered a, the good kid, you know. Uh, I was the one that, that, you know, people said, man, he's a good kid, you know, and everything. <clears throat> and I was trying. Now, I still did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Don't get me wrong. But um, so here I was trying to work that out. When I was about 16 years of age, I thought something happened. And I really, really wanted to live for the Lord. Now, I would have told you I was seeking God. But y'all know that's not scriptural, right? The Bible says that he came to seek and to save those which were lost. So what I was, I, I, couldn't, I didn't know this at the time, but I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, uh, things were happening in my life, and I was no longer satisfied with my religion, although I was working harder than I ever had. Um, I, I would never become an altar boy because I wouldn't wear a skirt, you know. Uh, I just could not make myself wear one of them gowns. I just could not do it, you know. Uh, so what I did was I, got, I, would, I would do the readings in the Catholic Church. Uh, lay people can do the readings. We could not read the gospel. Uh, matter of fact, a deacon in a Catholic church is a, a soon-to-be priest. It's a, a, a thing they go through. The, the guy's on his way to become a priest. And for him to do the message in, in the service... For him to read from the Gospels, he had to have a special blessing from the priest before he could read the Gospels. You say, well, I don't understand. didn't understand it all. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> that's what a deacon was. And, I, you know, so I was, do, I was reading the, the, the Bible in church when I could. I got heavily involved in a thing called Teens Encounter Christ, which was a very religious movement. But it's all emotionalism. And, uh, and so I just wasn't completely happy with the emotionalism. And... I, I realized that I was under conviction. I didn't like Baptists at all. We were taught from real young not to like Baptists, you know. Uh, Baptists, you oh no, don't go to the Baptist church. But uh, there was a, a friend of mine in school, actually a friend of my sister, that did a play, put on a play. And uh, I went to see that play. And the person in that play was about a, a young guy who was basically a good guy trying to do right and getting caught up in things. And Throughout that whole thing, I thought, man, that is me. That is me. And then the, at the end of it, somebody came out and explained to us what a sinner was and explained to us uh, how we needed to get saved. And that night, I walked down a spiral, a spiral staircase from the balcony, and I went forward and received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I got saved. I, uh, <clears throat> I did a lot of things happen in my life. There was an immediate change in my life. And um, uh, uh, I, I went back, I started reading my Bible. You know, we were never encouraged to read our Bible. I started reading my Bible, and I started asking questions. I never will forget that when I read in Matthew, call no man on earth father. I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> so I went back to the Catholic Church, and I asked the priest, how come we call you father in the Bible? And I mean, it wasn't, I can call my dad father. There's nothing wrong with that. This was the rabbi. This was the spiritual leader in your... Why do we call you father 
when the Bible condemns that. And they give you some runaround answer, you know. It's like a politician, you know. You know, politician answer. You ask him a question. He said, well, some of my friends are for it and some of my friends are against it. He said, well, what are you? He said, well, I'm always with my friends. <laughs> In other words, they just don't give you an answer. Well, then I was reading through the book of Acts and I'm seeing all these people get baptized. And they're not infants getting baptized. So I go back and ask them about that. And, and long story short, I got really, really discouraged and uh, wasn't happy any longer in my religion. And so I quit. Quit. Just quit going anywhere. I wasn't going to the Baptist church. Good night. Those people are fanatics, you know. Uh, and, and I told you this morning in 1983, my dad, who had been saved as a young man, uh, he, he, quit, he quit going to church when he married mom. In order to get, and, and my mom and dad, when they got married, in order for them to get married in the Catholic church, which my mom was a faithful church, he had to sign an agreement, a legal, a binding agreement that any children that came into that relationship would be raised Catholic. And so he, he, he didn't know a whole lot, but he just didn't like the repetition, and there was a lot of things he disagreed with the Catholic church, so he just quit going to church. My mom took us to church, you know, every time, you know, all the time and stuff. And I was raised in that. Now, I was a saved person, but anybody who knew anything about the Bible, I wasn't living according to the Bible. Why was that? Was I a rebel? Not really. I just had never grown in the Lord. <clears throat> now, in order to live for the Lord and grow in the Lord, it takes something. And we're going to look at that subject tonight. In, in Hebrews chapter number 11, a very familiar passage of Scripture, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now let me by it the elders obtained a good report. If you're going to obtain a good report for, with God, it's going to be because you have faith. That's what you're going to do. And uh, I spent 12 years in the Air Force before God called me to preach. And uh, every year they would do what's called an airman performance report. And they would, give a, they would give a rating. They would give a report on you and how well you had done throughout the year. There were certain categories. And those categories would range from one through nine of how well you did. And it would let you know where you're at. And that you earned that by the works that you have done. But God is looking at your faith. Now, real faith produces works. We are, we're saved by faith, but we also work by faith. There are some people who get confused with the Romans and get confused with James. When God looks at you and, and deals with salvation, you're not justified by your works. You, there's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. God looks at you today, and if you're saved, you're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace through faith not of works, lest any man should boast. I know that's in Ephesians, but you read Romans chapter number 3, and you will find that you're saved by faith, and you're justified by God through faith. The book of James. People look at you, and they determine whether or not you're saved by what? Works. You're justified in man's eyes by the works you do. There are a lot of people who, and we do that, there are a lot of people who claim to be saved, and yet they live, like the, they live like Dickens. Why do they live that way? Well, there's one or two reasons. Either number one, they are not saved, or number two, they don't have much faith. For seven years of my life, I did not have a lot of faith. 
Why? Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I was not growing in the Lord, so my faith was not growing. And, and faith is a growing thing. We would, you know, sometimes we as people think, man, they get saved, they're going to straighten up their whole life. But how often do they not? I, 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 I never, I, at a funeral, I never ever tell anybody that this person 100, I tell people, I cannot tell you 100% that this man's going to heaven or this woman's going to heaven. I can tell you based on what I've seen in their life that I believe they are. But really, you know there's only two people today who know if you're saved or not. And who is that? God and who? Yourself. That's the only two. I tell people a lot of times, I'm pretty sure my wife's going to heaven. <laughs> you know, she's, she really does act like a Christian 24 hours a day, you know. She's amazing. But, uh, to be honest, I mean, there's no way I could 100% know that. But I think she's getting saved, according to J James, because I see in her life that she is trying to live the Word of God. So here's the thing. When somebody gets saved, they don't know a lot. You know, saved people a lot of times have a lot of zeal, don't they? But they don't have much knowledge. Man, they're ready to, I mean, they're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun, you know? And, and they go at it wholeheartedly, but they burn out real quick sometimes because they have not grown in faith. And so in the Bible, it talks about some things. Now, so by faith, we're going to obtain a good report. When we are judged at the judgment seat of Christ, we are not judged according to our sins. Good Lord willing, I've got a message that I really, really like to preach. And next week, sometimes I'm going to preach on the crowns that we can win and how we can win them. I love that sermon. Um, it's just a blessing to me to go over it. But um, we're, we're judged, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 when it talks about the judgment seat of Christ, we're judged by the works that we have done. But those works have to be done in faith. They can't, listen, you can do all the good works in the world, but if you're doing all those good works to be seen of men, that's your reward. If we're doing it because we have faith in God, it's a whole different story. So we see that report. The Bible says in verse number 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Do you know it takes faith to believe God created the earth? <clears throat> it takes faith to believe in evolution. I personally believe it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe that God created everything. I have no trouble with, with believing that. I mean, I know our scientists and some of these smart people today, you know, they say it's impossible. Where did God come from? Well, that is a time-oriented question. We can't think outside of time. Everything we do is on time. You know, I took a nap today, and I, was, I kept, you know, everybody was watching. I'd wake up and look at my watch. I'd wake up and look at my watch, you know, because I had somewhere to be tonight. And so we are time-oriented questions. Time did not exist until God set the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavens and He created day and night. Before that, it was just eternity. The Bible says that in one day, that, that, that uh, we're, well, time will exist no more. When we get, to, we get to heaven, time won't exist. I don't think that we'll sleep in heaven, but if we do, we won't need an alarm clock. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> you know? But time won't exist, so it's a time-oriented question. But it takes a whole lot more faith, I think, to believe in evolution because evolution simply believes that something came from nothing. 
Where did God come from? He's always been here. He's eternal. I accept that by faith. I don't have any problem with that. So what we do is we see that how important faith is. Now look at what the Bible says in verse number 6. The Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So we believe in God by faith. We believe that He's going to reward us by faith. Now I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't have perfect faith tonight, and neither do you. If we had perfect faith tonight, you know what we wouldn't do? Like I preached this morning, there would be no doubts. There would be no discouragement. There would be no denial. There would be none of those things. But we have those things, and those things are there because we, we have not obtained what we should in faith. But can I tell you tonight, I have a lot more faith today than I did in 1987 when I started living for the Lord. 1987, after my dad's chemical explosion, I went, to, I went to Okinawa, Japan. Went to church a couple of times in Okinawa, Japan, but it was a real hassle, it, so it, I didn't do it. it. It was just a lack of faith. I come home. I really thought when my dad got right with the Lord, it would be a temporary thing. I thought it was a hospital conversion kind of thing. You know, It's like a prison conversion. I, visit, I visited people in the hospital. If God will get me out of here, I'm going to live for him. I visited a guy one time that had died. He'd quit living. They brought him back to life. He says, God has a purpose for my life, and I'm going to find it. He got out of the hospital, and he was right back to the bars. I told him, I said, I don't think God's purpose for your life is in those bars, you know. And just a few weeks, he was right back to doing it. Same thing with uh, jailhouse conversions. Uh, not always, but a lot of times. So I thought that, but I came back from Okinawa, Japan in 1987, uh, three years, four years after my dad had had his chemical explosion, he's still living for the Lord. He's out visiting people. He's telling people about the Lord. He gets up in the morning and reads his Bible. Hospital visits. I mean, this, he's still doing it. And so I decided I wanted what he had. So when we moved to Virginia, we started looking for a church. <clears throat> and we, went, we found a Bible-preaching church. And we started growing in the Lord, me and my wife. I always thank God so much that that happened before we had our first child. What a blessing it was that our children have never known anything except being in church. But there was a growing process in our life. Now, in the Bible, very clearly it teaches that there's different levels of faith. Different levels of faith. And so my question tonight, and let me explain to you, you can use this in helping other people especially people who are weak in faith, you can show them these things and say, here's what your problem is. The problem is that you need to grow in faith. And at the end of this message tonight, I will show you what we can do to help people grow in faith. And, and all, none of us have attained perfect faith yet. We won't obtain that until we get to heaven. But we can do being, be better every time. How long am I, do I want my faith to be growing until Jesus comes? You know what? I plan on, I plan on being in church until the day I die. I, I want to be one of those people. My dad, when the, when the COVID stuff first started happening, they started closing churches down, and, and uh, churches didn't close down right away. Uh, I called my dad because I was really struggling as a pastor about what to do. Should we close the church? Should we not close the church? Now, in, in Clay County, Illinois, they closed our churches down with zero cases of COVID in the county. Zero. And so I could not get any peace about closing the church down with no cases in the county 
And so, but I, that, that first Sunday, after, that first week after the COVID, when they said we were supposed to shut our churches down, I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, Sunday morning, early in the morning, he gets up early. What are you doing? Getting ready for church. I said, now, dad, you are the poster child for staying at home. When he had that chemical explosion in 1983, he ended up with chemicals in his lungs. So his lungs are very weak. We're just, we're, we're so blessed to have my daddy. He'll be 81 in August. We are so blessed to still have him with us. And, and he, ha- he gets, you know, he goes in the hospital for pneumonia usually at least twice a year. COVID-19 caused problems with the young lungs. Uh, he, has, he, has so, he has a lot of medical problems. And I said, Dad, you're the poster child for staying at home. And his response, here's his exact words. Where's the faith in that? That's what he said. My 80-year-old dad said, where's the faith in that? He said, you preachers keep telling us there's a better place. (laughs) Dying, listen, why are we all afraid of dying? Man, we die, we get to see Jesus. Hallelujah. You know? Listen, if Jesus was to come back before June the 5th, I won't have to have eye surgery, and I'll be able to see, hallelujah, you know? So where is the faith in that? And I believe some of the trials and things that we've been through over the last year have shown that we may not be as strong in our faith as we ought to be. But here's the good news, we can grow. Let's pray tonight. Father, I do pray that you'd bless and help us as we look at this matter of faith and the different degrees of faith. So I pray that in everything that you'd get the glory and the honor and you would be lifted up. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one tonight, I believe that a Christian could have no faith. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter number 32. The book of Deuteronomy in chapter number 32. Of course, the Old Testament with scriptures, was it written to God's people or or the, the world? It was written to God's people. Now, they didn't have what we had. They were still saved by faith. The Bible clearly teaches that in Hebrews chapter number 11. When you read about all of those men of faith, it doesn't say by their good works they obtained this. It says by faith, came, by faith Abel, by faith uh, Abraham, by faith these, uh, these men d- obtained things. And, but in, look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter number Uh, 32 as God is writing to his people and in verse number uh, 21 uh, no it's verse number 20 and he said now they're sinning and they're doing abominations and stuff and this is his people and he says I will hide my face from them I will see what their end shall be for they are very a forward generation children children whose children God's children in whom there is no faith. I know people who, by all, by, I think they got saved. I mean, people who I led to the Lord. I am very careful. I am not interested in somebody just saying a prayer. That aggravates the stew with me if I go out. with. Some, I was out visiting with somebody one time, and uh, there was a guy watching TV. And this person was what I call a super aggressive soul winner. There's nothing wrong with being aggressive. But this person was a super aggressive soul winner. And he was witnessing to this guy, and the guy never quit watching the television. It was an old Western on. I had trouble quit watching it. I'm an old Western kind of guy, you know, and, and wouldn't quit watching. He said, do you believe what I said? And the guy said, yeah, I believe it. He said, would you like to get saved? He said, I sure would. 
He said, would you pray this prayer with me? He said, yeah, I'll pray the prayer with you. That guy bowed his head. I kept my head up. I was just interested. The guy never bowed his head, never quit watching television. The guy said, pray with me, dear Jesus. The guy said, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Would you save me in Jesus' name? Basically, that's what it was. And he said, praise God, you've been saved. The guy said, thank you very much. And out the door we went to find another one. I don't do that. I sit down with the Scripture and, and start to go over. The very first thing I try to do I, I try to, in the South is you have to, they have to know they're a sinner. You know, in, in dealing with children, I'm real nervous in dealing with children because children will do whatever you want to say, whatever you want them to do to say, you know, they, they know you want to get saved. If they love you, they'll do it. So I'm very careful with children. And I'll talk to you. If, if they won't admit they're a sinner, guess what I do? I don't go one step farther because if they're not a sinner guess what they don't need they don't need salvation if they don't understand that they are a sinner you don't continue on you don't get them to say a prayer how can they pray with something they don't understand and and so but I'm, I'm saying I, there are some people out there who are saved and they don't have any faith listen I did not have any faith after I got saved I knew there was a God in heaven I, I didn't know he'd save me. If people ask, have you ever been saved? I'd tell them, yeah, and told them when I got saved. But I didn't know anything else. <laughs> I sat with one of them night and he was teaching, one night and he was teaching about alcohol. What? What do you mean alcohol is wrong? I'd been raised. My, my mom used to get so mad at one of the priests we had in our prison. She was on the committee that did the money. And she said, they spent more on his alcohol and cigarettes than they did on the light bill. <laughs> you know? Drove my mother crazy. What do you mean we're not supposed to drink? I had an old, old gentleman that was in our church, Victory Baptist Church in Hampton, Virginia. Old, old gentleman. His name was Brother Hodges. And I'd tell Brother Hodges, he'd teach me this stuff. I'd say, Brother Hodges, you're killing me here. I said, I've been taught something different my whole life. He wore them glasses like this, you know. And he'd always look at me and he'd say this, Brother Evans, are we going to believe what you've been taught your whole life or are we going to believe the Bible? Door number three. <laughs> there's, got, there's got to be another door here. No, brother. That is, I wish I could tell you how many times he said that to me. But I started, I, had, I came to the place where I had to do this. I had to believe the Word of God or I had to believe what I've been taught my whole life. I am so thankful that I started to accept the things of God. Because at that point, my faith started to grow. I, there was a lot of things in my life that I had was wrong. Listen, I was a member of the NCO club, the non-commissioned officers club. I saw nothing wrong with going to the NCO club and drinking. I saw nothing wrong with smoking. I saw nothing wrong with gambling. I did all of those things, not because I was rebelling against God. I did all of those things because I didn't have any faith. I had nothing to build on. You know, um, I had, of course, not long after we started going to that church and we wanted to join, become a member of that church, and I went to the pastor and said, man, we'd like to join your church, me and my wife. And he said, uh, okay, have you ever been baptized? Oh, yeah, I've been baptized. I got baptized as a baby. Wish you could have seen the look on his face. <laughs> oh, no. But he explained it to me. And I was like, man. I told him, I said, 
You know, I had trouble with that back a long time ago. I asked a Catholic priest about that. I believe you're right. <laughs> and so we followed the Lord in believers' baptism. And I started learning from the Word of God. And so I went from no faith to the second thing in the Bible, the second kind of faith there is, and that is little faith. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. <clears throat> Little faith. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you something that's not scriptural. And here's the thing. A lot of times we, we, need, we don't realize where people are in their growth. And we need to realize that. I ask myself a lot of times, wonder where they are. Do they have no faith? Do they have little faith? And we'll see some other things. Uh, Matthew chapter number uh, 6, verses, starting verse number 25. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory... Are, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And listen, there's a big step between no faith and little faith. Little faith? Well, you just don't believe God will take, clothe you and take care of you. But you know what? <clears throat> I, went to, I went to Bible college. Like I said, it's a rough time for people who go to Bible college, especially if you go with a family. It's not, Bible colleges aren't geared for families. They're geared for young kids right out of school and stuff. And so here I go with a family, and it's, it's a tough life. I'm, I'm working 40 hours a week at one job. Uh, through the summer, I would work two to three jobs to make payments, to take care of things. That, that worked out real well for a little while. But I was trying to do it all on my own. There was a semester come up that I didn't have the money. I needed a certain amount of money to pay at the beginning because I told God from the very beginning, I said, God, I just do not want to graduate from high school and owe a lot of money. I just don't think that's your will. So I'm asking you, would you please graduate from college? Would you please help me to do this? So there's a certain amount of money that I needed when I went to college. If I paid that at the beginning and we had a schedule that we did and we would, I would finish the semester and owe almost nothing. In the interim between the two, I would have enough to, do, to, to start the next semester debt-free. Well, there came a semester we didn't have that money. Now, there was only two people in the whole world knew how much money we needed. My wife and me. We didn't tell him. We never, ever complained. We never asked people to help us. We never, would you pray for us? We don't have any money. We never did that. We just prayed to God because our God is able to do that. And, um, and so we, we had nothing. And, and my wife and I, we talked about it. And this was in the middle semester, you know, uh, over Christmas break. And we talked about it. And I told Deborah, I said, I just don't feel like it's God's will for me to start back to school with owing this money. I think if we don't have it, then we're going to get in debt. And it's just going to be a, a domino effect. It'll be bad. And not only that, <clears throat> that year we were broke, flat, busted, broke. I couldn't even afford to buy my wife Christmas that year. You know what that makes a man feel like? 
makes him feel bad. And so we decided I wouldn't go back to school. <clears throat> I went to work that day after we talked about it, clocked in, and they came by before too much time had gone by and gave every employee a Christmas bonus. They had never given us a Christmas bonus. I looked at that Christmas bonus, and here's what my first desire was. My first desire was to take that Christmas bonus and take my wife for Christmas up to the red carpet ends, you know, or red carpet stores, out, outlet laws, whatever y'all ladies call them things. I hate every one of them. You know? <laughs> my wife don't go hunting, and I don't go yard selling or shopping. <laughs> you know, That's what I because she loved that place. And I thought, that's what, I, that's what I'm going to do. And then it was like the Holy Spirit said, but what about college? And I said, well, Lord, this isn't enough. He said, yeah, but you could work toward that. You ever argue with God? And so I argued with God, and I came home that night, and my wife would usually be up waiting for me. And I said, honey, they gave us a Christmas bonus. And I said, this is what I'd like to do. I said, I'd like to take you and do this. And, and I said, but I feel like the Lord would have us to pay it on our school bill. And she said, well, I think it would be a wise thing to pay on the school bill and don't worry about the whole Christmas thing. So I got up the next morning. I worked second shift. We weren't having school. I got up the next morning. I went to the school to pay it on there because I knew if I kept it, I would do what I wanted to do with it. So I went to the school office that day. I walked back to the, to the uh, uh, business office, and there was nobody there. Now let me explain to you something. In Christian colleges where a lot of people don't have money, there's always somebody in the business office. They want that money. There was nobody. The first time I'd ever been to the business office and nobody there. And I waited for a few minutes, and I'm not the person that likes to wait. And I thought, well, I've got some, I've got some grades coming in that I had taken, so I'm going to go up to, the, to my post office box, and I'm going to check my grades. And I went up there, and sure enough, there was little slips of paper, piece of paper in there from like three of my classes I knew were my grades. But then there was a piece of paper in there, and I remember looking at it and goes, I, I, I said, that looks like a receipt from the business office. And it was folded kind of weird and stapled on two ends. And I'm like, I didn't care about the grades at that point. What is that thing? And I pulled that thing out of the box, and I opened it up, and God is my witness. Somebody had paid the exact amount, the exact amount on my school bill that we needed to do that. And I was able to take that Christmas bonus check home. And I took my wife up to the outlet malls. God is able to meet our needs. And if we don't believe that, then God says we just have little faith. Look, it's not an easy thing in the world that we... And it's going to get bad. I think it's going to get bad. I had somebody text me today and said... Uh, I just bought a, a tube of toothpaste, and it cost over $6. I said, that, don't that make you want to hug your president? <laughs> hey, we might as well laugh, you know. And she said, well, hugging isn't exactly the thing that came to mind. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about the price of lumber today. Absolutely crazy at the price of lumber. The price of gas is going up. And, and look, I don't understand it. Why do things go up 100% except wages? <laughs> but it doesn't matter how bad things get. There's a God in heaven 
who has promised to meet our needs, who has promised to, to take care of our clothing, our raiment, where we live. Listen, a few months ago, I found myself, I was going to be homeless with a, a wife and three kids. And I was like, dear God, what am I going to do? Do you know he didn't work up a sweat, but he found me, he gave me a place to live until I could land on my feet. Praise God. And listen, when I did that, I was exhibiting little faith. A preacher, since uh, you know, been ordained since 1996. And here it is, 2021. And I'm showing little faith because I hadn't been in that position in a long time. And so you could have no faith or you could have little faith. We just, listen, there's God, with, God is promised to take care of us, not give us what we want. Listen, the housing situation we lived in wasn't the best in the world. But it sure beat living under an overpass. It beat living in an abandoned building, you know. What a blessing it was to see God take care of us. So tonight I want to tell you, you can have little faith. You can have no faith. You could be a person of little faith. But let me tell you what we ought to aim for. We ought to aim for what the Bible calls great faith. I went to a meeting around 2020, uh, yeah, 2020 ah, it wasn't 2020. I don't remember it was, it don't matter. But I went to a meeting. And it was one of the first big meetings I had been to after I became the pastor. And it was a large meeting of, of preachers and stuff, and it was huge. I mean, there was a couple thousand people there. And I went to that meeting, and... Uh, <clears throat> The first thing they told me, it just broke my heart because I had my life all planned out because the first session didn't start till 10 o'clock. So I'd already told God, I said, here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to get up at 8, have my devotions. I'm going to skip breakfast because I'm going I'm to sleep in because I didn't get to sleep. I'm going to relax, take, make a vacation of this, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be in the meetings at 10. I'll have, everything will be done. And that first night, we met on a Monday night. That first Monday night, the preacher said, and we'll have prayer at 730 in this building over here. Now, can I tell you something? I didn't want to go to the prayer meeting at 7.30 in the morning. It changed my plans. But I thought, good. And I'm going to be honest with you, too. I didn't get up and go because I was spiritual. But I wanted those men to think I was spiritual. So I got up and went because I felt like I should have. And I was surprised when I walked into that room. I'm kind of a person who's normally early. I walked into that room, and I'm like, wow, this room will not be big enough for all these preachers to come pray. But you know what? It was plenty big enough. And I, I remember we came in, and uh, <clears throat> Ian Paisley was leading the prayer time. I don't know if you know Ian Paisley or not. Interesting story about his life. He was leading it. I came into that meeting, and there were some men there that just weren't dressed the way I was accustomed to seeing them dressed. You know, I mean, most of us had on suits and ties. And there was these guys that had on shirts that were just a, a high-water pants. And they had them big clod-hopping shoes on that we wore in the late 70s, you know, the great big ones, and no socks. And I thought, good night. Where did them people come from? But Ian Paisley called on one of those men to pray. He was from Ian Paisley's church over there and that man bowed his head and he said in a, in a, 
I really, for a minute, I couldn't figure out what he was praying. Dear God, give me grit, faith. I want grit, faith. And he prayed, and in just a few minutes, I said, Lord, I don't know exactly what he's asking for, but I want it too. I'm telling you what, when that man bowed his head and prayed, the presence of God filled that place. I said, Lord, I don't know who he is. I don't know where he comes from. He's a shaggedy-dressed person, but that man has something I don't have. And he prayed for great, it was, I finally figured out, he's praying for great faith. Oh, Lord, help me to have great faith. So we want to see what the Bible says about this great faith. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 5. The Bible says, And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servants lie at home, sick of palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This was a centurion. This wasn't an Israelite. Now, I'm sure this, is, I'm sure this centurion was saved. And I, I won't go into that, but there were, there, were people from, there were people who weren't Jews that were saved by faith. We know that. But it's interesting, this was not who we... It wasn't a Levite. It wasn't, it wasn't a rabbi. It was a centurion, but he knew that Jesus didn't even have to come to that place. Listen, he had a lot of faith. He believed God. He believed that he did not have to come. And Jesus did what he said he was going to do. He healed that person because of that man's great faith. Turn with me, if you would, over to Matthew chapter number 15. Matthew chapter number 15. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 15. <clears throat> Another place where it talks about great faith. Matthew chapter number 15. This is the only time in the ministry of Christ that he went out of the borders of Israel. One time. Right here it is. The Bible says, Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, you ask yourself, Why? Why did Jesus leave Israel one time to go to this place? Well, you read the rest of the story and you know why. This is a lot like the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? He must needs go through Samaria. When the other Jews wouldn't go through Samaria, he went there because there was someone who had a need and he went there to meet that need. The Bible says, Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I want you to know what she asked for. She asked for mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. You need to learn the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy, it's by God's mercy that we don't go to hell because you and I tonight deserve to go to hell and it's by His mercy we don't go there. By grace, we get to go into heaven. That is God giving us what we don't deserve. This woman knew she didn't, she knew what she deserved. You and I need to remember what we deserved. You know what we deserve tonight? 
Every one of us in this room, if God gives us what we deserve, we're going to split hell wide open because we have sinned against a holy God and that's what we deserve, but it's by the mercies of God we don't have to go to hell. Hallelujah. She knew what she was and she didn't ask. Listen, I got a speeding ticket one time when I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was taking a bus kid home. We, we took him home after, the, after, after church. We took him home and her parents wasn't there. Her name was Martha Farr. Man, she was a handful. And we, we so what do you do? Just, oh, just drop her off at the door? You didn't do that. You, you, nobody home? We took her home with us. We fed her lunch. We called her mom constantly. <laughs> Finally, she answered the, the house. And we said, Mrs. Farr, are you home? She said, yeah, I'm home now. Okay, can we bring Martha back to you? Yeah, you can bring Martha. I got in my car, and I was headed to Martha's house as fast as I could <laughs> to drop her off. Now, here's the thing. I get pulled over, and the cop said, do you know what you were doing? I said, well, I probably was speeding. But I said, officer, there was a bunch of cars in front of me, and I was just going with the flow of the traffic. He said, yeah, you were all speeding. You were just the last one. <laughs> Why don't you get the front one? <laughs> he gave me a ticket. So I went to court. Somebody told me, if you go to court, the judge may have mercy on you, and he may not give you what you deserve. I went to, stood before the judge, and the judge said, You've got this speeding ticket. Was you speeding? I said, yes, sir. He said, why are you here? I said, because I heard you could be merciful. And I'm asking you to be merciful and not put this on my record because the last thing in the world I needed was a speeding ticket on my record and my insurance going up. I was broke anyway. My, uh, my son that got run over today, got hit by the car today, my daughter was about ready to kill the woman that run over him because all she was, you know what she, all she was interested in? Her insurance going up. Bless her pee-picking heart. You know, it's not going to make me near as bad to make her insurance pay for that $1,200 bicycle that got tore up, you know. But mercy. She came to him and she asked for mercy. The Bible says, uh, but he answered not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away for she crieth after us. Now look, I, there's one thing I don't like. I don't like to be ignored. I try to have a Christ-like spirit, but boy, when you ever make somebody mad and they just don't talk to you no more? Let me just, if you're that kind of person, let me tell you what that is. I don't know anybody here tonight, so you know I'm not picking on you. That is childish. That's just what it is. <clears throat> I have a lady that used to get mad at me, and I always knew she was mad at me. I'd say, hello, and call her name, and she'd just look the other way. Oh, boy, I made her mad again. You know, why don't you just tell me what I did to make you mad? I'll try to make it right. I don't like to be ignored. And if you ignore me, I'm not like Jesus. I'll probably just have nothing to do with you either. Jesus ignored her. But this woman kept on. But he, and, he, he, and his disciples came and said, Lord, send her away. She's making too much noise. But he answered and said, I am not sin, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Look, I can't help you. I am here as the Messiah. I am here to save Israel. What is, how does she respond to that? And he answered, he said, It is not meat for me to take children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, your, your Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their masters. You know, do you know this woman knew there was only one person in the world that could help her? And I, look, I don't believe that Jesus was being rude here. There's, 
Some people say, I can't believe he was so weird. He was teaching a lesson. He, he, he knew this was going to be included in the Bible. And what this woman went through, she went through for our benefit. Can I tell you today, gee, God doesn't always do what I want when I want it. It just doesn't work that way. There's been times I've looked up into heaven and said, Oh God, what are you doing? When my dad first had that chemical explosion, I was so mad at God because my dad, humanly speaking, was a good man. My dad would go to ladies' homes that were, were their husbands had died and there was, they, they were older and they could not do stuff and he would drag us along and we would mow the yard and we would trim the yard. How many of y'all remember when trimmers had two candles on it and you went around the edge doing like scissors? Y'all remember those? Man, praise God for weed eaters. We didn't have them. Man, we got in trouble one time. There was an old lady who her roof was leaking. And my, I think that was the first house as a teenage boy. I worked on a roof. And if those of you who don't know it, working on a shingle roof is miserable. We, the, the cops showed up because the lady next door had turned us in for scab labor because we weren't union. <laughs> but we were doing it for free. So there was no, I'm like, Dad, they're calling us scabs. Wow. My dad would give you the shirt off his back. Won't go into the whole story, but I messed up a car one time. and Oh, I wanted a, 1970, a 1968 Ford Bronco so bad as a teenage boy. It was ginger color, brown and tan with red stripes running through it. Had 10-inch white spoke wheels on it. Had a Hearst three-speed shifter. It'd set at the stoplights and go boom, 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 boom. Women looked twice at the Bronco. <laughs> I just always thought they were looking at me. <laughs> Boy, I wanted it so bad. But because of that damage to my vehicle, I couldn't get enough of a trade-in for it to afford that vehicle. Man, I was brokenhearted. A couple of days after we'd done that, my dad came out and said, come on, let's go. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going down to Allen's Auto, so we're going to get that Bronco. I said, Dad, you know I can't afford it. Uh, <clears throat> my car doesn't have enough. He said, I'm going to take your car, and I'm going to trade in my Bronco. That's a good daddy. Oh, God, what have you done? Why my dad? Listen, I knew some dads that maybe, I knew some dads, I'm like, why my dad? I didn't understand it. But you know what? The greatest event of our life was that chemical explosion because of all the good that came out of it. I didn't even know Romans 8.28 was in the Bible. On the way home today, we got the phone call from my daughter who was his, my, my, my wife said, I can't understand you. What is wrong? I can't understand. And now I'm getting nervous over on the drive. What is wrong? Last summer, last summer I got a call from my wife in Carbondale, Illinois. I was laying fiber optic cable and there was a lot of noise going on. I couldn't hear. I said, wait a minute, honey, I got to get away from this noise. And I said, what is wrong? I could tell something was wrong. And she said, Deacon has drowned. That's my grandson. That's my baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Praise God, they brought him back to life. He's fine today. But I can, listen, I can take you right to that very spot I was standing in the corner of that apartment building. I can show you exactly where it is, where my heart sunk. And listen, my first thought was, God, what are you doing? And then I said, but Lord, I have to trust you. This woman had great faith. 
And when she said that, she said, he said, in verse number 28, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it, faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. Your faith is great, and it's just going to happen as you want it. Listen, this woman had great faith. You want to know how to have great faith? Study your Bible about this woman. Study your Bible about that centurion. We need, and I believe today, we need great faith to live for the Lord. Because we are living in absolutely crazy days. Listen, <clears throat> there's also much faith in the Bible. I'm not going to deal with that tonight. I felt like these three would, would cover that. So <clears throat> what do we need to do? Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. That's what we use in the Romans road often. Romans chapter number 10. And in, starting in verse number 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it says, How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Verse number 14. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, this isn't the pastor. This is, the preacher in this verse is one who is declaring the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know whose responsibility it is to, to share the gospel? It is everybody's responsibility to share the gospel. How shall, they, how shall they preach except they be sent? Jesus said, even as God the Father has sent me, so send I you. That wasn't just to the disciples. That was, I believe, to the church. And he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? The Bible says in verse number 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I understand that this is talking about salvation. But can I tell you, your faith, just like you get saved by trusting in the word of God, you grow in faith by trusting in the Word of God. People need guidance. Uh, <clears throat> young people, can you imagine somebody who's never heard much about the Bible and start reading the Bible? It's overwhelming. Like I said, I was older when I started, when I really started reading my Bible. When I started living for the Lord in 1987, that's when I started uh, going to a Bible preaching church and started reading my Bible. And there were days I'd read my, I'd read my Bible and not know one thing that I had read. To be, I mean, you get in some of that Old Testament stuff. What a blessing it is to be in a church like this where you learn about the things we learned about in Leviticus today. <clears throat> Man, I first started reading Job. I thought it was Job. You know? I didn't know there was an Old Testament. We started going to a Bible preaching church and, and somebody said something about the Old Testament and New Testament and I thought I needed two Bibles. I didn't know it was in one Bible. I'm telling you, I was dumb as a box of rocks. But I, I stuck in it. and uh, You know, we were talking on the way here. My son was talking about a preacher that he knows and he says, I have trouble keeping up with him. I said, well, he's an expository preacher and he gives you a lot of stuff. I said, but get what you can. And the next time somebody preaches on it, you'll get a little bit more and a little bit more. You just chew on what he's giving you. If you don't understand it all, look for what you do understand. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, is what we need to grow in the Lord. And so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So what do we need? We need the word of the Lord. How do we get it? Number one, we need it through reading our Bible. I hope you take time every day that you can to read your Bible. I try to read my Bible through once a year. It doesn't have to be that way. My wife does hers every other year. She tries to read it through every two years. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I know, listen, 
read through the book of Proverbs once a month for the whole, or read the whole book of Proverbs in a month for a year. But spend time in the Word of God because you're not going to grow in faith if you don't have what you need to grow from. So read your Bible. We need to not only read our Bible, the Bible says to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You also need to study your Bible. You say, how can I do that? Well, you can get a study Bible. Realize all those notes aren't the inspired word of God. Those guys could be wrong, just like I could be wrong. But you study, and then you show up to church for the preaching and teaching of the word of God. When I started living for the Lord in 1987, I just said, well, if we're going to have church three times a week, four times a week if you count Sunday school, I'm just going to be there for all of it. We have Sunday school, I'm there for Sunday school. We have Sunday morning, I'm there for Sunday morning. We have Sunday night, I'm there for Sunday night. In the situation I'm in right now with the job I have, when I go to, I'll be leaving tomorrow going to Tennessee to lay fiber optic this week, and I'll, I carry church clothes with me. I'm not going to go in there, uh, you know. Now, I have. I've gone in there muddy from head to toe. I went to church, and I apologized to the preacher. said, I'm so sorry I did not have time to go get changed. It was either, it was either go take a shower or come to church. I'll go to church. Next week I showed up, I looked a little better, had time to get cleaned up. <clears throat> now, I may or may not be able to go to church, but I'll have my stuff there. And if we get off early, I'll go to church. Why? Because it's important, because I need the Word of God. If I'm going to have great faith, I need to be there for that. With our schedules, we may not be able to change that. Let me close this night by asking this question. What if I had a faith thermometer tonight? Come by and stick that thermometer in your mouth. Where would it land tonight? No faith? Little faith? Or much faith? I don't know. But you could do a self-evaluation of yourself and figure out where you're at. Do you really trust God? You know, it's easy to trust God when the bank account's full, there's plenty of food in the freezer, all the bills are paid, and you've got extra money. It's easy to trust God, isn't it? Have you ever been in the place to where you didn't have all of it? And you just trust God anyway? I don't know if I'll get my eyesight back. I want it back. I've told God I want it back. And I'm just trusting him. I, listen, here's where I'm praying. When I first got done, I was praying, oh, God, give me my eyesight back. Please, please, give me my eyesight. I didn't get to go deer hunting last year. Give me, but I said, you know, Lord, just whatever. I, you know, listen, if, if me having an eye problem will help people get saved, Shouldn't I be willing to have an eye problem? It just takes faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. What would your, your reading be if you had that? Listen, if you want to live for God, go over there and read Hebrews chapter number 11 with all those what we call heroes of the faith. By faith they did this, by faith they did that. When I stand before God, I'm going to be rewarded by what I did in faith. I hope tonight that your faith is still a growing thing. Let's have a word of prayer. Do you all have invitation on?